Welcome to the New Life Ministries podcast. Hardship and suffering are a threat to our assurance that God is good, that he loves us, and that he will save us. We all know the feeling of one difficult experience piling on top of the other. Our mind says, now what? While our heart cries, why are you doing this to me? In today's talk, Curtis looks at Romans 5. We start by discovering God has surrounded our life with blessings, expressions of his love. From this foundation, we reframe our experiences. Let's join our service as we begin the message. Well, good morning. Today we're going to look at Romans, the book of Romans chapter 5. If you want to turn to it on your phone or open up the Bible. Those of you joining us online, good morning. Welcome. I'm glad you've, I'm glad you've tuned in. So for the past four months or so, I've been trying to lose 10 pounds, and I have successfully gained five. Thank you. (laughs) Now, I know what's going on. I'm doing a type of cardio that's making me stronger and thus heavier. So I go hiking with a buddy named Pete, and when we go hiking, our packs weigh about 30 pounds each. Now, a 30-pound pack is fine if the ground is level and and flat, but that is rarely our experience. We do a lot of climbing up and down hills and over boulders and across fallen trees, and there's a lot of uneven ground. And so after a couple days, 30 pounds gets very heavy. Um, So about two months ago, I borrowed a weighted vest from a friend, and the weighted vest is somewhere between 20 and 30 pounds, depending how many packages of sand I put on it. And I've been walking on a treadmill on an incline. Uh, with this weighted pack, which works up quite a sweat. And then after I did that for a bit, I lowered the weight a tad and started running on the treadmill with this weighted vest. Feet pounding. (laughs) Um, That's great. Now, I'm not doing this so that I become familiar with being exhausted and keeping going, because that is what the experience is like. I'm doing this to strengthen my body, to get used to carrying 30 pounds on my shoulders, to make my hips and my legs stronger, and to improve my endurance so that when I go on a hike, I have a better experience. That's the point of the whole thing. So push harder, get stronger, put on weight. Now, when I'm on a hike, there's no real concern, especially on a short hike, there's no real concern that I'm not going to make it to the goal. Um, But on longer trips, especially multiple day trips, there are times I really would like to stop the hike which you can't do when you're middle of the backcountry. There was one trip where um, I had cut my foot on something. In the middle of the night, I woke up, and I could feel the cut burning. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a bad sign. That means infection. So get out of my sleeping bag, and I'm just shivering, trying to clean my foot, thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. And then the next day, I had hiked, and I don't know what I was doing, but I lifted a toenail off the nail bed um, in the shoe. And I remember thinking, I'm done now. I want to go home. But you got to keep going, right? Have you ever experienced difficulty, hardship, some kind of pressure, suffering that makes you just rethink your plans for what you're doing or makes you reevaluate your commitment to the goal that you're heading towards? Um, especially when there's like layers of problems. And you're like, oh, now what's happening? You just think, I just... I don't want to do whatever. I don't want to keep doing this job. I don't want to keep doing this marriage. I don't want to keep parenting this kid. I don't want to, like you just, you get tired of it, right? So hardship and suffering 
is actually a very significant threat to our understanding and our, our understanding of God and our salvation. Um, suffering and hardship challenges our confidence that God is good, that God has a plan, and that he's saving us. Especially when life gets hard and you just think, now what? We just move towards, I want to check out. I want to just be done with this thing. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about overcoming, about uh, persevering, continuing on in our relationship and our knowledge with God through difficulty. And we're going to do it by looking at two things. The first one is the bigger one. It's to understand all the blessings of God that surround us. The, the, to realize our confidence or to reestablish our confidence in God by understanding what he has done in the past, what he's doing now, what he intends to do in the future. We're surrounded by blessing. And by understanding that we are surrounded by blessing, it helps us reframe hardship and difficulty, to rethink what this is all about. So that's kind of what we're going to look at in Romans 5. <clears throat> so let me just offer a prayer, and then we'll do some reading. So, Father, Father, we've been dancing on this subject of uh, persevering and enduring what is hard all morning. Would you help us to listen to your word, to hear what you want to say through your word, why this has been recorded for millennia for us to ponder? And... Please draw our heart, our soul, to find its rest and its confidence in you, that we feel better, that um, we feel better that it allows us to live better, that allows us to engage well with the life we've been given. And I would pray this so that you would be glorified in our life. So, Jesus, we pray this in your name. This is your will. Amen. So Romans 5, here's the setup. For the first four chapters of, of Romans, Paul has been explaining how absolutely everybody has sinned before God. There is nobody good, there's nobody right, and we are all therefore excluded from God's eternal life. And the evidence of that is our death. Scripture says when we sin, we die. We all die, ergo, we've all sinned. But by believing in Jesus, God will give us new life. By our faith, just our abandoned trust in Jesus, he will mark our account clear and innocent, will be declared innocent, and then Jesus will share his good life with us. So not only are we innocent of anything bad, we actually have this righteous life on our account. So by faith in Jesus, we can be made right. That's the first four chapters. Chapter 5. I'm going to read the first 11 verses, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops character of st strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. 
and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might be willing to perhaps die for someone who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So we'll stop there. It's a confusing passage. There's a lot in it. But I often get frustrated by this, Romans 5, especially verses 3 and 4. In the NIV, the New Translation version, it says, we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And I always feel like, Paul, when you wrote this, you should have said a little bit more about that. How did we go from hardship to hope in four words? Like, I need more. Oh, well. So in this text, there is past, present, and future. God has done this for you already. We now experience this, and the future is coming where this will certainly happen. You are, we are surrounded by God's blessing and expressions of his love. If you were to outline the verses, it would look like this. You've been blessed by God. You stand in a place of blessing from God. You now have to go through this. God's poured out his love for you. God will bless you in the future. Have confidence. God will bless you in the future. Have confidence. In fact, let's just rejoice. Like that's, that's kind of the first 11 verses. And all of it's there to help us understand how to persevere through today. It works to reshape how we think about today because suffering and hardship is a threat to our confidence in God. So this text reminds us you are surrounded by blessing. So we're going to review kind of the five or six blessings and then look at this little piece of suffering. First one, since we have been made right in God's sight, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We have peace with God, which means he's not hostile towards us anymore, which means he was. Before we trusted in Jesus, we didn't have peace with God. We were his enemies. We as humans, our natural stance is to live in rebellion of God, to reject him as our God, and we destroy his creation. And then, yes, in that, we're actually often hostile and angry towards him ourselves. So we were his enemies. Like, we were the enemy. And it's easy to think of God as, oh, you know, it doesn't matter that much to God. Um, God is not some big, happy, chubby man who's uh, full of jolly and laughs at our foibles. Ha <laughs> ha, look at them. God in scripture is portrayed as a warrior. He's portrayed as a holy king, 
a holy king who does not like the rebellion on his creation, but he is also abounding in kindness and goodness and love. But he's not like this big, jolly, happy Santa Claus. In our faith with Jesus, we are now at peace with God. He doesn't see us as living in rebellion anymore. He sees us as forgiven. So whether we feel at peace or not, our status before God is legally, we are at peace, we're forgiven. There's no war here. Which means when bad things happen to you, God is not at war with you. You ever have it where you're struggling with something and life's not working and oh, now what? And you just want to shout, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this towards me? Why are you hating me? Why are you at war with me? You ever have those feelings? I know you've had those feelings because we all do. The idea that, God, why are you at war with me is not what's going on. That's not reality. You are at peace with God. God is at peace with you. Doesn't mean you might, you might not feel peaceful, but your legal standing is at peace. So, and then verse two, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Undeserved privilege is another way of translating the word grace. God has brought us into the grace in which we now stand. So we don't stand before God because we're basically good. We stand before God because we are forgiven. We're in his good books now because we are forgiven. If you believe you stand before God because you're basically good, that's a very anxious place to be. What if you do something that's not good? That's not why we're here. We're in a place of grace. We're in a place of undeserved blessing. In the Old Testament, there's a phrase that God uses whenever he wants to talk about his nation being, uh, being blessed. And it's that every man, every person will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree and no one will make them afraid. It's this little phrase that shows up through the Old Testament to say, all is well with his people. Um, you'll sit under your own vine and have your own fig tree and no one will make you afraid. Because it means you have food. It means you have a home because vines and fig trees require tending. It means you have peace with your neighbor because there's enough for all. And it means there are peace, you're at peace with foreign nations. There's rest from the battle. Basically, you, could, you can just live life and it's all good. So because of Jesus, we have peace and we're in this place of blessing before God, this undeserved privilege. Lovely which sounds like we should then have a trouble-free existence. It should go really well from now on. Um, but that's not what Paul says. Paul go then goes and says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. I'm like, no, I wanted to stay on just the light, nice life, blessed life. But if Paul hadn't said this, we would get confused by our suffering because suffering is a threat to our assurance that God in his grace loves us and gives us salvation. When we suffer, when we encounter hardship, we ask, are we doing something wrong that God that is making God angry at me? Is God removing his blessing? 
Sometimes we get angry at God when we go through hard times. We accuse God for forgetting us. We want to give up. Paul says, no, no, no. That's not what's going on. And then Paul continues by adding more to God's blessing. We're at peace. We're in a place of blessing. And then he continues by focusing on what we were like when God rescued us to show us how much he loved us. Verse 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps die for someone who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That word for sinners, or in some translations, the ungodly, means the person who is without any awe and reverence for God, the person who would condemn God, the person who has absolutely no respect for God. We were jerks towards God. And that's the point where God said, I'm going to rescue them. Imagine yourself on a bad day. What are you like? Imagine yourself on one of your worst days. What are you like? A few days before Christmas, there was one morning, and my, like, we were at my sister's, my whole family was there. We were eating breakfast, and I was in this nasty mood. And everything I said, I don't know, I'm laughing. It was horrible. Everything I said had a bite to it. All of my jokes had an a just a growl to it. And I, and I could tell that I was disappointed about something. Um, and that's what was making me sour. But I knew it did not justify how I was talking. Uh, and I didn't say a lot because in my mind, I could hear the bite. And I just sat at breakfast thinking, just shut up, just shut up, just, just shut up. Um, and unfortunately, we're built in such a way that the people we love the most and that we trust the most get to see the worst of us. Like, think of your worst moment. That, that moment where you think, oh, I don't want to be that person. And that's when Jesus says, in my love for them, I will rescue them. Which reminds us that there's nothing we did to deserve God's rescue. There's nothing we did that God went, oh yeah, look at that person's doing really well. I'll rescue them. It was... What a disaster. I will rescue them because he loves us. And so then Paul now moves into the future, the blessings that are yet to come. Verse 9, And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. The first blessing that in the day of judgment we will not be condemned because we've been justified. We've been absolved of any wrongdoing. We tend, to think of, we tend to speak of being saved as something that happened in the past. You know, I've been saved from my sins. Have you been saved from your sins? But actually, the trial's not happened yet. You're saved for, from the, the judgment that's about to come, the judgment that will happen as God evaluates your life at the end of your life. That's where we're being saved. So our saving has not actually fully happened yet. I was watching a documentary on ancient Egyptian beliefs, and this particular one was talking about the pharaohs and when they were buried, what was included with them so they could pass the judgment day and enter into resurrected life. And you know the pharaohs and the mummified and who gets buried with them and what's all included, and there's a dog, and then there's all the organs that are put into 
jars so that, and a feather? No, they're given something because they believed they would be measured against a feather. Their heart would be measured against a feather because they, were, they knew they had to face judgment for their life. And if they didn't pass it, they would not enter into resurrected life. And so all the pyramids and all Egyptology is about how do I get into resurrected life? It's the same for us. Our judgment is in the future so we can enter into resurrected life, except that we've already been told we've been declared innocent. Christ has already taken whatever punishment we would deserve. The trial just hasn't happened yet. And then in verse 10, the second blessing that's going to come. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still sinners, we will certainly be saved through the life of Christ. The emphasis there is that our friendship has been restored. The biblical word for that is reconciliation. It's to receive into favor again. It's God saying, I actually want you to be with me. I want you to be my friend. And so I'm going to share the righteous, the good life that Jesus lived with you because friends share things. So you're not only innocent, you've got all of the goodness that Jesus did on your account because we're friends. So when the passage says, he will certainly give, uh, in the NIV it says, how much more? There's a sense of, it's not just a little bit, it's how much more good is yet coming? How much more will we be saved through Jesus? So we are at peace. We're in a place of undeserved privilege. We were rescued when we were nasty. We've been promised that we will pass the final judgment. We have a friendship with God that we will get the life of Jesus accredited to us. Surrounded by blessing. So now what? Well, now you've got to live your life. So verse 3 and 4. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Surrounded by God's loving expression of love, we let suffering find a new purpose. Rather than it being a threat to our confidence in God, it's going to become the means that we strengthen our confidence in God. When we experience suffering, we develop endurance. That quality that says, keep going. Don't be swerved from your goal. Endurance grows our character, that tested and found true, the one that has been stamped as genuine. Yep, that person, they're a real deal disciple of Jesus. And the result of that is a confidence that what Jesus said, what God says is going to happen will happen. So my friend Steve Black, the pastor who was up, the, the guy who was the pastor of Minnetonis, in Minnetonis, he's, uh, he's not that much older than me, but he's a bit older than me. And talking to him a couple months ago, experience, and he, was, he has been experiencing just a lot of... Um, Grief and loss and things that, you know, I wish someone would not have to go through. And I said, how are you processing all this? And he said, it's interesting. As my grief increases, my anticipation for the joy of heaven increases. I said, what a beautiful way of saying it. As my grief increases, my anticipation for the joy of heaven increases. 
And then he said, the wounds that we experience make us who we are, and those wounds led us to discover Jesus. So as hard as it was, it led me to Jesus. And in the end, who we are gets carried into heaven. So grief itself is redeemed. The sorrow itself gets redeemed because the character we became continues on into heaven. That's, that's hope. That's suffering to hope. Another writer said this thing about hardship and suffering that leads us to hope is that it helps us to become detached from the stuff that otherwise we would cling on to today. The demands that we have for our careers, for how our houses look, even the demands for instant gratification, through suffering and perseverance and character and hope, we just let go of that. I have to have it now. We just let it go. In going through hard times then, you have to make choices for how you will behave. How are you going to do this? How are you going to, you know, suffering, perseverance, suffering, endurance, character. How will you be through your suffering? Take time to lament with God. Don't deny what is hard. But will you take it out on others? Like if, if you're hurting, do you have to hurt people around you? Or can you lament with God and be kind? Make sense? Um, when I give a talk every week, um, just about every week, I have to emotionally experience whatever I'm preaching about. And this is something God sets up. I don't, when I start a week, I don't know all of what's going to be in a text. And usually by the time I get to Saturday, I'm like, oh, I've just experienced all of this, um, which is how God has wired me to be, which meant that this week I had no desire to keep going. And, and it's interesting that I can study scripture and go through what I'm feeling and not realize to the end of the week that they speak to each other. But again, it happens every week. Um, but this week, oh, earlier in the week, I was done. And um, I spent Monday, now I was very tired. That doesn't help. Uh, Monday, I just was angry and complaining, watched a bunch of TV. And Tuesday, which was another day off because of the long weekend, I started also being angry and complaining. And I sat down for lunch and I stopped to pray. And I was like, Lord, and very quickly I heard, repent. <laughs> I'm like, um... Thank you for my sandwich. And, it, and it, God was really clear. He, he said, you're moving from complaining and being tired to blaming me for the pain in your life as if I have not treated you fairly. I was like, yeah, I don't want you to treat me fairly because I've not always been good. And then it came, get up and live your life. Like you can complain that life didn't go the way you wanted, Enough, it's been a day and a half of this now. This is the life you've been given. Live it. Don't take it out on everything and everybody around you. So I need to also add to this talk that sometimes hardship and perseverance, uh, sorry, hardship and difficulty actually causes a person to walk away. Like sometimes they don't endure. A person doesn't endure. So I have a couple of observations on that. Sometimes I think people become overwhelmed with hardship because they're not, in their hardship, they're not asking the questions that are coming to the surface, the questions they need to ask. Um, or if they're asking their questions, they're not considering 
the answers that are available. That's part of engaging with Jesus is to face the questions he's bringing up that might be where he wants you to grow. And there are times there are, there is almost always answers, but sometimes the answers are a level deeper than the question you're asking. And you've gotta be willing to go deeper. I think other times um, when people don't endure through hardship, it's because it's revealing their actual unbelief in God. Um, they hadn't really come to the term, they hadn't really come to terms with the message of Jesus. Um, you know, subtly it, it, what comes out is a version of, I actually thought I was pretty good and therefore you were gonna give me a good life. Like that's what comes up through suffering. It's like that, that's actually not the message of Jesus at all. Um, sometimes people walk away because of grief, but it's not just sadness. It's not knowing how to process how sad sadness can be and how to process how bad badness can be. Um, there is a step to understand the world really, to understand the depth of how depraved and broken the world really is. And I have a friend who's looking more into the effects uh, of, of when you're not willing to realize humans can actually be this bad, like it actually puts you on a bad path. Um, and sometimes we, we don't want to endure because God is calling us to surrender something that we so highly value and we just don't want to surrender. And we might find out later after we surrender it, sometimes even when we're going through it, that the thing that we want is actually working to lead us away from God. And we're at a point where God isn't willing to give us that path. Like God is trying to get us towards him. And it could be good for you, but for me, it's bad, right? For me, whatever it is has become a small G God and I'm holding it too tight and God needs to take it away so that I worship him. And not everybody is willing to surrender that. So, so it's, it's just a reality that sometimes suffering and hardship comes and some people don't endure. Like it, it doesn't, they don't make it. Um, and I think through all of these, if, if there are people who are wise who will walk alongside and if they're open to having someone walk alongside, there, there is a way through the darkness. So let me summarize where we've been and then we'll get, spend some time discussing together what the Spirit's been drawing your attention to. So I started by talking about um, my extra weight and working out with a weighted vest so that I become stronger and have a better experience to reach my hiking goals. I don't go through this hardship with this vest so that I feel exhausted. I do it so I feel stronger. Suffering and hardship are threats to our trust of God's love for us, our salvation, and um, his blessing. Paul has reminded us, we are at peace with God. We are in an undeserved privilege or grace. God has showed his love by saving us when we were completely against him. In the final judgment, we will not be condemned. Through Jesus, our friendship with God has been restored. So now, as we go through hard things, God doesn't hate you. He's not against you. He's not angry at you. But we, what we go through helps to change our character, and it, it increases our confidence in God's love and salvation. We become stronger. So where's the Holy Spirit been kind of poking at you this morning? What has the Holy Spirit been calling you to consider, perhaps about yourself or just about whatever? Where's the Holy Spirit been drawing your focus?
the thing that God has been drawing my attention to this morning is very strange, and that's totally fine. Um, so I don't know how many of you use YouTube regularly, but YouTube uh, recommends things that it thinks you will like. And a lot of the things that I've been being recommended lately are to do with slip casting pottery. I don't know why, but it's great. It's fantastic to watch. And my attention was being drawn to um, the process of creating pottery that is useful and lasting. And for those who've never watched somebody else do it, because they really can't, um, the way that pottery is prepared for becoming this piece is you have to pour your, your very wet mix into this mold and then you tip it out and you let it drain. And um, then there's this, and before you let it drain, there's this really, really important step where you have to shake this thing as hard as you can. You drop it on the surface, you let all the bubbles out. Because if you don't let the bubbles out, as soon as you fire that thing, it will crack, it will explode. So you have to beat up your pottery. And then after that, you have to just leave it alone, let it dry. And then you have to put it in this kiln for what's called basque firing. If you have not let it work out enough of its water, once it gets to that stage, if it doesn't let its water out fast enough, it will also explode in a tiny popping inferno that will destroy everything else in there too. It's great. And so this idea of all right, so in order to remove these things that will hurt me, I am first being beaten up a little bit and then subjected to this really frustrating low-level hardship until I let go of everything that is bad for me so that I can finally have reached the state where I am able to do things that I've been actually created for. It's really interesting. It is cool. Good morning. Oh, she's so creative. Thank you. The the um, when you announced the uh, the sermon topic this morning, my heart leapt, and I'm like, oh, I will have the answer for this fellow. So, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Uh, uh, last night, uh, one of our one of our guys posted this thing, and I'm like. I know where I need to draw his focus, but I don't have the right words quite yet. And I, I think this is very much an answer to prayer. Cool. Um, but uh, what I find with, with some of our guys is um, in the midst of their, of their attempting to live life through pain, so wait, just Paul uh, is talking about the Men with Fibro website, fibromyalgia. So, and it's a, a site that people around the world uh, pop in on. So um, that's what he's referring to. Yeah. Okay, thanks, mate. Keep going. So, so uh, a lot of the guys that are trying desperately to live life and the realities of chronic pain, of you know, not having energy, of not being, of, of life just not being normal. You know, a lot of broken dreams, a lot of things like that. And they actually end up almost drowning in this whole 
twisted up, turned up uh, world. And, and that's kind of how they end up losing hope is, yep. is it's, it's almost a feature of, of drowning in, I don't know if it's sorrow, but they're the ones that I got fibro for. Yeah. Yeah. And for the Christians among them, it's encouraging to hear that we have a reason for having this, that it isn't just some random chaotic happenstance of the world that God has allowed us to have this so that we have voice among people who experience life this way, that we have a testimony to them. And that whole idea of problems creating endurance, creating character, you can really see it uh, with the ones who draw close to God and who are built up by him. There is a strength of character that you just can't explain in the world. You look at their life and you go, you should have broken years ago, decades ago. And yet they're stronger and they're more resilient and they're willing to answer the, the hard questions with truthful answers and not platitudes, yeah. not, you know, oh, I, I wish it was like this. But to really say, you know what, there is purpose in this. And let me tell you about, uh, about uh, how and why. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I have come to see some of this differently, different perspective. The idea that God was hostile to us, I don't believe that at all. God was never hostile to us. And that can be demonstrated through Jesus comes and says, look at me, this is what God is like. Jesus was never hostile towards us. We saw God as hostile. We were hostile towards him, and we saw God as hostile towards us. It's like, you know, it's like teenagers with a parent, you know, rebellious teenagers with a parent. They see their parents as hostile towards them when the parent is not. But that's how they see it. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that's how they see it. People of Haiti taught me a great deal. I just found it amazing how people who suffer unbelievably a lot of the time have such joy that I would look around and say, how can you be happy with the life that you have? And I think part of the reason that we in North America have difficulty with hope is that we don't suffer enough. For the most part, we have it pretty easy. I'm not saying that something people here that don't suffer, that's certainly not true. But on the whole, we don't suffer enough. I guess I know from my own life that suffering does produce strength and hope. There was times in my life that were pretty hard and that I look back at those times now not as being negatives, but as being positives. That because of those things, I am what I am. You know, and I thank God for that. A couple of things that, uh, that I'm taking away here, uh, just talking about uh, rejoicing too with problems and trials and suffering. 
just that a couple things that are good come out of that. One being that uh, we develop a new purpose and new hope. That, that That's one of the, the purposes of that is to strengthen our confidence in God. And that word confidence kind of stood out to me. And I, I think that's true. It, it increases because if you start off by questioning, but then you grow in the confidence of God's grace and that peace with God. And also it helps us to become detached. And I wrote down to temporary goals, plans, and treasure. So temporary goals, plans, and treasure. And so kind of those two things, we strengthen our confidence in God and helps us to become detached. And, and I've experienced that, um, but is reassuring to find some words uh, to it this morning. Yeah. Yeah, so there's just a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm thinking of a couple of movies that uh, seem to illustrate this idea of sufferings, uh, producing perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and just that joy that can be present. So uh, Albert's favorite movie, or at least this past little while, Father Stew is a really great in-the-flesh example of how that was so evident, a guy whose body was decimated, he was a boxer, became a priest, developed a degenerative neurologic condition, and people were drawn to him as his body deteriorated, wanted to be near him, confess their stuff to him because he was so full of joy. And that's a real-life story. It was wonderfully acted and, and told. And then I just watched last night with Larry, The Sound of Metal. There again, someone was struggling with the idea that you know, my life, it needs to be here. It needs, in this case, not deaf. It needs to look like this. And uh, having to come to terms with, this is not the life you're living. And uh, it's a beautifully uh, told, and not easy to watch, again, but uh, not always. And then, so there's that idea, not easy to watch, not easy to live, not easy to come alongside. So that goes back to my prayer for the church, the body of Christ, because we are called to suffering. You've, Curtis, said this so clearly that as Christ's body, we are called alongside those who are experiencing injustice, who are in pain, who are suffering. And it takes a toll, as Leah described well this morning. But to do that and to persist in that, that process happens in us. And that process of people of joy, people of hope, that is something the world pays attention to. So I'm just very mindful of what we're looking at. So this week in the lectionary readings, we were brought back to the Garden of Eden, and you've actually referenced that today. We were brought back to the Garden of Eden and to, you know, the dialogue with Eve and the serpent, and, you know, he's saying, listen, you can eat this fruit. If you do, you'll be like God. And, you know, she was saying, oh, no, but God said, we can't eat it. We can't even touch it. So she wasn't actually really referencing what God said. She kind of got that not correct. So in the scripture readings for the lectionary this week, it took that dialogue, what happened in the Garden of Eden, then it also got us to read the temptation of Christ. Again, mm -hmm. uh, the serpent comes. There is a situation where the serpent in this form, Satan is saying, look, and I can give you all this, the kingdoms of the world, if you just bow down and worship me. And every time 
Christ didn't think he heard what God said. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. You know, Satan even tried to say, it says this in scripture. And God says, you're not, you're not to put your God to the test. And it is written. So every time Christ used scripture, he was looking at scripture. So my care is when we're looking at the world through Facebook, YouTube, social media, whatever platform, and that is telling us what success, beauty, goodness looks like. Suffering doesn't register very (laughs) popularly. It doesn't get a lot of likes, let's just say. God's word is full of people who are suffering and who have hope. If you're not looking at God's word, you will not be able to align why you you don't feel so good about this situation. You will not be able to get with the program of suffering producing perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. So there, look at God's That's great. Uh, I like I like today's talk, and I was thinking if this is even relevant to share. But I will say, why I liked it. I find that we're asked to live in everyone's delusion, like everyone's fairy tale of what they think the world is, which is, I don't know, annoying to me. But I will say this, like, I don't know if you've ever, like, spent some time on YouTube checking out, like, animals ripping each other to shreds. It's it's not great, but it's just real, right? It's real. It's just real. So this is one thing I'll say. For some reason, that... This notion that like humans are outside nature is fascinating to me because when you watch that, no one's like this, oh, the poor. It's like, well, yeah, the lion needs to eat. That's going to happen. And so for me, this is interesting. The idea of suffering has always been an interesting notion because I chose Christianity because I was looking at all these other religions and all these other sort of philosophies. And there was this idea of like enlightenment, like, and then you'll figure it out and you'll be like out of this world. And I found Jesus super interesting and irritating and humbling because he was like, yeah, you're never going to know. And it's like always going to suck. And like, even I was crucified, but there is hope, love, and joy. And I was like, that's an interesting sales pitch. (laughs) And I've been intrigued since. Anyways, I really liked it. That's great. Let me offer a prayer and then we'll sing and then close. Father, Father, you are so good to us. You are abounding in compassion and kindness, abounding in patience and faithfulness, and also abounding in truth, in in the desire for justice, in um, the desire for holiness and goodness. Thank you for who you, I praise you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for surrounding us with your blessing. And even that as we live, we realize this passage in scripture proves true, that we really, our character really does change and we really do find a great solidness or confidence in you. Lord, I would ask for your blessing here that the folks gathered, the folks who are listening, would not just comprehend your blessing, although that is part of it, to understand it, to see your blessing, but also to experience it, to realize 
that we all live blessed, um, blessed by your grace and your love. Because in this, Lord, we become humble, and in this we become thankful, and in this we decide we follow and we serve and we help others and we keep going. Jesus, thank you for the salvation you have given us. Thank you for wiping our slate clean and sharing your life with us. Holy Spirit, may the truths that are captured in your word just continue to, to dance in our mind and float into our heart today. And Holy Spirit, I also ask that you would help each of us express the lament, the grief, the frustration at hardship and suffering that we have to go through, that we would express it to God so that it is received and cared for. You are our God, we are your people, and we praise you today. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. New Life Ministries is located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. You are invited to join our service in person or over Zoom. Please use the Contact Us link to send an email to the church office and request the address or Zoom link. If you would like to use these podcasts as part of your home church or local church gathering, you are free to do so. We do request that you let us know. If there is any other way that we can help you in your ministry, please send us an email.